Welcome back to the Hoops Temple Podcast. Special guest basketball for brains. Jeff, how are you? Oh, doing excellent, my friend. Excited to be here. Uh, talking hoops is what we do. Absolutely, that's right. And I had to give a special mention because you're certainly the first basketball TikToker that I ever really interacted with. I remember getting started and posting these lists. And I remember telling my girlfriend, I'm like, yeah, there's this guy and he raised people's top 20s and he wants to do mine. And I was really excited about it. And um, I wish my top 20 was better at the time, but I loved that series. And I always had to say you had an incredibly positive basketball page, which is hard to find. And I always appreciated that. Yeah, that's music to my ears. I That's what I go for, uh, to make sure that the love of the game stays on top. <laughs> and uh, if you want to bring the negative stuff, I'm just probably not the person to be talking with. I haven't deleted comments in a long time, but I just, I don't, if you're going to be a dick, I don't respond to you. I haven't in years. It's like my one rule. I'm not going to make more than one video about a specific person. I'm not responding to comments like that. Let's keep it nice. <sighs> I wish I could say I've, I've been, I've, there's been like, two, three, four videos I responded to. And every time I wanted to delete it afterwards, I was like, why did I even get into this uh, stupid conversation? So it's hard. You, you, there's a lot of them. <laughs> of course, of course. People, uh, you know, when you, don't, when you don't post videos, you can just comment as much as you want. But starting with you, you're a Blazers fan. You got the Blazers head on. Where does that Blazers fandom start? I'm in, I'm in Oregon. I've been attending literally Blazer games my whole life. Uh, You know, I wish I could say I was a perfect Blazers fan. Uh, But growing up, I loved Shaq. Uh, Orlando Magic was my first favorite team. Shaq and Penny, like legit. That's how I fell in love with the game. And you know what's funny? I more so think I fell in love with it that way because I was kind of like anti-Jordan growing up. I was just sick of he was he was the guy, and mm-hmm. I decided I don't want to root for that guy. So uh, by the time I was really into the game, the Magic upset the Bulls uh, in the playoffs. I don't know if it was an upset technically on seeding, um, but when they ousted Jordan in the playoffs, I was like, oh, yeah, Shaq and Penny, those are my guys. And then Shaq and Kobe became my guys. And then I grew up and realized I can't root for the freaking Lakers. What is, what, how can you guys do, what would you guys let, and I didn't have real friends or family at that time, correcting Mm -hmm. me. So I grew up, been a Blazers fan really my whole life, even if uh, I had a couple players on other teams I loved. No, of course. And Shaq and Penny, how exciting. I mean, it's hard not to like those guys in the mid 90s. I mean, just a really special core. And I can always, um, just the magic for for ruining that and letting that fall apart. But on a, on some Blazer stuff, I remember like a while ago, a few years back, I was making my top seventy five list, my top one hundred list, or whatever I was obsessing about at the moment, and I had Clyde Drexler fiftieth all time. And you made a point, and you said you were disappointed in this sense. You're just like fiftieth is way too low. In our newest tradition, we've moved him up to forty five. Are you happy about that? Do you think he should be higher? You know, I'd have to see. Who can you tell me the four, yeah, sure. forty through fifty? I get yeah, forty through fifty. Number forty is Jason Kidd, then Gary Payton, George Gervin, Allen Iverson, Dominique, and then forty-five is uh, Clyde Drexler. In, in that company, I can live with that. Yeah. That's that's fine. And that a lot of times when I'm looking at the, you know, in my head, it's these tiers, and yeah. you got him and Iverson right next to each other. Iverson and Kidd are right next to each other, like in my book. So I'm like, okay, in that realm, 45 is fine. 
Thank you. I appreciate it. I appreciate it. It is it, it is the tears. And I could be convinced Drexler over Iverson, and maybe I should, but I just I, I can't give up the Iverson. <laughs> <laughs> I can't give up the Iverson stuff. Although Thinking Basketball just posted an Iverson video and the nerds are gonna lose their minds. Um I can't I look forward to the Iverson revolution of people saying he's actually underrated. But I had another Blazers question. The the jail blazers happen in, in the early two thousands. It's in the mid 2000s yeah. it's this um kind of crumbling of what had been one of the longest playoff streaks in nba history what was that like and if you can compare it to the grizzlies right now do you see any of those connections uh i'll answer the second question first i don't see those types of connections uh because we didn't have a face of the franchise take the league over type of player on that team the fact that this is freaking Ja Morant, who could literally be the face of the NBA if he if he got his stuff together. And uh, so to me, it, the Grizzly situation is a whole other level because of simply who Ja is. Rasheed Wallace kind of has that rep. It's like part of his rep. Like you, you don't expect differently out of him. And that's how it, it played out. And obviously all the technicals we got during that time. Um, Damon Stoudemire is a local guy. He got, uh, busted with the stuff at the airport. Um, uncle Cliffy, mm-hmm. who, who, uh, has a joint up here, uh, selling the, the green stuff. He's got the <laughs> uncle Spliffy, uncle Spliffy yeah. for real. Yeah. <laughs> That's a real thing. He, he got, I, uh, gosh, and I hate to tell the wrong story. So I'll, I'll, I'll say this one I could have wrong on the player. Pretty sure it was uncle Cliffy though, shooting a paintball gun out of a, out of a car. I think I so, remember that. I think I remember that story. I also remember the Stoudemire and Sheed one where they got caught in a Hummer with weed, but they said they smoked it already. <laughs> it's like, yeah, we had it, but it's gone now. Quintel Woods showing his basketball card as a license like <laughs> yes or not as id i should say but um i'll tell you i mean gosh i had to have been i was a young teenager i don't know 10 to 15 years old during that time i i didn't know any better but that team was awesome sure. i knew that that team was fun scotty pippen came over and was just a big name like he certainly wasn't the same player but we never had a i mean Clyde, Clyde was kind of gone by the time I was old enough to understand. So yeah. Scotty Pippen, I understood. I was like, oh, this is a legend. We have a legend came to Portland. Mm-hmm. That doesn't happen. So Bonzi Wells was exciting. Um, a good backcourt with Damon Stoudemire and Greg Anthony. Greg Anthony would finish a lot of games for us in the fourth quarter. That created some tension with Damon Stoudemire. They, they were a... 16 point blown lead in the fourth quarter from a championship it's heartbreaking it's heartbreaking you don't even realize how close yeah especially against the lakers just crushing stuff but that the blazers from 77 to 2003 missed the playoffs once in 82 and they were still above 500 that season so really that was just such a shocking culture thing where the grizzlies have this issue of the very very top it's a John Morant thing. It's like, all right, our best player is a moron. Duke can't get his circle right, and he's making these poor decisions. But 
for the Blazers, it did feel like an entire culture reset. Like we have all the wrong guys in the locker room. And you ended up turning right into the the LaMarcus and Brandon Roy era, which could have been so much better than it was. What's your what's your vision on Brandon Roy? How do you remember him? He would have been right there in Dwayne Wade's uh level that level tier how we look how we look at Dwayne Wade we very easily could be looking at Brandon Roy the exact same way like and the way there's just few guys that I when I think of the word poise composure like Brandon Roy is just so like just unshakable like he was just stepped into the league right away delivered on the big stages right away like he was that guy and for him to break down the way that he did, for Greg Oden to come along and never be able to get it together, it's just like, man, what that, that's a it's it's got to be one of the biggest what ifs in the NBA, with notwithstanding my Blazer fanship. It's like, got to be. What if Brandon Roy stayed healthy? And it's Oden, and I forgot to mention Oden, and not not just if they took Durant. That's a whole other conversation. I think Greg Oden is really good. I don't even think that pick was that bad. It ended up being bad in hindsight, but when it happened, it's like this guy. This guy's going to be fantastic. He just couldn't stay healthy. I do this. Um, I have this stats model that's like advanced stats and counting stats and all this mumbo jumbo wrapped into one. But it gives me the best players from each year. But in 2009, Brandon Roy comes in at seventh. And the next year, he's 20th and that's it. But to have his first season, that breakout year, it's like, hey, I'm in the top 10. I'm above Dirk and right next to Gasol and Duncan and Howard. And he really was that caliber of player at the guard position. Yeah, it's it's good to hear it off the top of your head. Is there a Kings equivalent? Like, what's? <laughs> Dude, we don't have good players. <laughs> we don't have good players <laughs> like that. <laughs> uh, no one really came, and and I thought they could have been special. I mean, it's you'd have to say like Otis Birdsong and Phil Ford, and had they been stayed healthy yeah. in the eighties, but that was so so long ago. Where I don't, um, I don't think we had anyone special in the after our test. But Demarcus Cousins. What what if DeMarcus Cousin wasn't such a head case? Such a head case. And, you know, the thing is, like, and I'm sure Sheed's going through the same thing and has already gone through the same thing. But with time, what people forget isn't the talent or isn't the stats. It's the intangibles. It's the effort and the attitude. And so we're seeing this, like, prime DeMarcus was the best center in the league and as good as Jokic, like, revolving around. And I'm like, he... He really couldn't string together 10 straight possessions of quality basketball without doing something kind of stupid. I, I, and a lot of people say, I hear Cousins being mentioned as the best player during that time. Granted, the center position, incredibly weak, uh, where we are talking about DeAndre Jordan and Joe Kim Noah. But the guy who, the best center during that time, completely slept on, Mark Gasol. Mark Gasol was actually the best center Pretty much from at, between Dwight Howard and Anthony Davis. I totally agree. I totally agree. And I, I'm sure I've made videos in the past saying the exact same thing. Hey, like Gasol was what you wanted. Maybe Cousins gave you the numbers, but you wanted the better defense. You wanted the passing and just the, the composure is so important. On top of that era, I mean, you're seeing like Andre Drummond making all NBA teams. Like it's truly weak. I've said that today Cousins would be basically Carl Anthony Towns with with intangibles issues that's a great comparison i'm totally on board with that thank you um yeah but we don't really have don't really have guys like that but you know who broke my heart for the kings you know uh just seeing like something be there and it never played out was tyreek evans yeah i mean he hit he hit the ground running like that was exciting and just 
took a hard left. <laughs> yeah, he did. It's like, and that's over. It's interesting. I feel like I feel like the the off the court stuff derailed it at the end. I'd be interested to see if if that would have panned out because it was especially like twenty five and five rookie season, but the team still sucked. And I just wasn't sure if he was good enough at anything, at one specific thing, to really make like an all-star level impact. But what's interesting is the second stint, he comes back. He comes back like 2018 or something, 2017, and all of a sudden is this great three-point shooter. And it's like, wait, what about the other stuff? And then he gets busted for something, and it's over. And that's the end of that. I, I think he's like 30 still. Uh, yeah, and there's something always when I think of him... Him, I think a little more like, oh man, he should have probably maintained. Like, I don't quite see where the drop off happened so bad. Michael Carter Williams, also one of those guys who kind of hit the ground running. I mean, he almost averaged a triple double as a rookie. Um, And that was about it. And that's about, that's the highlight of MCW. You had a great rookie year. There's a Sixers, there's a Sixers season where they, they beat the Heat. Remember, they beat the Heat in like the opener and it was this big deal. Um, like they beat LeBron or something, or maybe it was the Cavs, I forget, but they beat some good team and they started 3 0. And there's this ESPN headline, and I remember this so vividly. And it said 3 0, no, like, are the Sixers too good for tanking? And that team won like 14 games. It was just, it was, I just <laughs> love that story. Um, they, uh, they, they, when teams are tanking, they figure it out quickly. They're like, okay, like that's not working. This dude doesn't play as much, and they never have that issue. But I want to talk to you about, I mean, the Blazers in the dame era seeing that come to an end what are you thinking on dame how are you doing how are you handling all this stuff selfishly as a blazers fan i want to see dame his whole career in a blazers jersey i love the nba so much i i don't think i uh, have ever demonstrated myself to not be able to take off my fan cap and just put on my most unbiased hat that i can have i selfishly want dame here forever why would I ever want Damian Lillard not to be representing the Portland Trail Blazers? He's been everything and more we could ask for that I would ever ask for. Like, he's just, it's awesome. Thank you for representing the Portland Trail Blazers at such a high level. That said, just being a fan of the NBA, the Blazers have not put it together. I have been of the mindset for years at this point that I am okay, Damian Lillard, wanting to go somewhere else. Especially, the big thing is, the Blazers don't have a squad contending right now. Like, it's just, that is just the it. Great, we re-signed Jeremy Grant. Great, we got Scoot Henderson at number three. We won 33 games last year. Like, (laughs) it it ain't happening. And it's not like there's not really great teams out there. Yeah, We're not just one player away. So there's a lot of things that need to happen. So... I think everybody wants to see Damian Lillard on the big stage, right? Yeah. Damian Lillard competing at the highest level because everybody thinks of him that way, but he's got nothing to show for it. I'm I winning matters. When I talk about Damian Lillard all the time, the fact that he didn't get out of the West is going to matter a lot. Yeah. Like, oh, even Reggie Miller played in the finals. <laughs> like <laughs> Patrick Ewing played in the finals. Yeah. You got to break through eventually. But um, Dame stuff is interesting um, to see him on the biggest stage and playing for Miami and or whatever, wherever he wants to go. I, I know he'll be so successful. Like, you know, he'll be great. And I think um, I found it interesting in when he demanded the trade or when he was meeting with ownership and saying, like, I want this and that. And 
like, yeah, they signed Grant, but then he wanted Draymond Green. I'm like, that isn't a contending team. I'm not, I'm not sure. I'm like, and of course, like the next day, the trade request comes in because I think we all realize what's happening is Dame plus Grant plus Draymond plus whatever the hell you want isn't good enough. And the Blazers have had a pretty successful run of making the playoffs and, and keeping a superstar like in town. But I think you're in a good spot. Like if you take the emotions out of it and you forget that you like the Blazers to have a superstar worth all this money um, or all the, all this, all these, uh, all these assets um, that you can get off this money, get all these assets and have a fun, exciting young team again. There's nothing more fun than having a bunch of assets and young players. And Scoot Henderson and Shaden Sharp as a Blazers fan. I'm excited. I would I'm like, Ooh, who, who knows what we got here? Like, uh, it's it's awesome and scoot who wouldn't be i'm so happy i was so nervous the hornets were gonna pick him up i was so nervous that brandon miller was gonna fall to us at three and i was just like not excited about it so yeah i got very pumped about scoot it's just it's a future thing i i'm i'm it's just i'm dame could be the best player on a championship team well he's not playing on a championship team right now and i I'm not going to pretend like it's otherwise right now in, in Rip City. I would love love to think this is the year. <laughs> <laughs> Probably not. But heading into the draft as someone that didn't doesn't watch college basketball and didn't do a, a lot of draft prep, I was more into Brandon Miller just as like a concept, as like a tall three-point shooter that can get his own bucket occasionally. I liked the idea of that translating into the NBA more than what Henderson does. But with time, I just don't think Brandon Miller is very inspiring. I think... I think Scoot Henderson does crazy shit all of the time. Just insane moves. You're like, oh my God. And then when the draft came around, I'm watching that and they're panning to all like the players and introducing them. They pan to Scoot Henderson and I'm like, that's a seven foot guy because his hands are like touching around the basketball. And then it goes Scoot Henderson. And I'm like, oh my God, that's Scoot Henderson. Like, dude, his hands are like, and I'd, may, I'd be a terrible GM because I overlook into hand size. And I'm like, there's like the 6'2 guy with Michael Jordan's hands. Like, this is incredible. He's a he's a type of prospect that if uh, Wimbenyama wasn't in this class, I, all the talk would have been on Scoot and his athletic ability. Uh, more than his athletic ability, which I'm, he's got these physical features that just, I don't know. He gives me Kawhi vibes. Like mm-hmm. <laughs> there's something about just his body stature. Yeah. And, uh, but he's so explosive. He really is. And it's exciting. It's, yeah. Westbrook, it's fun. And even if Westbrook has his issues and I'm not too high, I'm high on him and in whatever points, but I'd be excited. I'm like, we're going to get rid of Dame and have this guy. If you could pick a Dame trade to benefit the Blazers the most being reasonable, what would you say? I know it's it's not reasonable anymore. I'll say the one go heading into the offseason, Jalen Brown was very much like the prospect. I would have been like, hey, I think the Celtics benefit here. I think we benefit going younger. Um, so Jalen Brown, I was very like much on board with. And then he signed a three hundred million dollar contract. I don't think they're going to be trading him. Uh, this year so <laughs> it's still on the table it's still possible given you tend to just assign the long-term money and then look for a trade but i think when you think of trading for a superstar trading away a superstar you often think oh we have to tank we have to be bad but you could just get jalen brown have shaden sharp have Scoo henderson and be not great but then possibly great later because the talent develops out having to dip all the way down into the gutter yeah and i'd be um uh if we go with keeping dame 
Like the guy, the guys that we need to take that leap to true contentionship, I just do not see realistic. Except for Joel Embiid, if there's something happening there in Philadelphia, I'm like, hey, come team up with Dame for a season, see see what happens. <laughs> but like, that's the caliber of player that needs to come to 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 do it with Dame, and there's not that many guys on that level. You know, Jokic took a different type of step this past season. Bam. Yeah. I actually don't think he's on that level. It's it's like, I, so I don't think there's a guy out there. Like, we're not getting Giannis. No. We're not getting Jokic. But maybe in B, there's like kind of a wrinkle there where it's possible if things go so poorly in Philly that Portland's sitting on these assets and Scoot Henderson and all this could... Uh, could lead you to this this new Embiid Dame pairing, which would be totally awesome. Yeah, it, it, it for some reason I think there is something there. Uh, it's just a possibility, but ultimately it's really rough. And at this stage, uh, with some of the guys we got, I they got to choose. What I don't like right now is we've got young guys in the waiting. Everybody's a guard, and then we've got Dame, who like if you're not playing for a championship, what are you playing for? So. Yeah, that's true. You gotta you gotta pick a direction, and like you see the logo behind me, the Kings classically were mediocre, but not the worst forever. And you get stuck in that loop. Let's 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 pick some direction because even if Dame comes back, the team you have now it's probably thirty eight wins or something. It's it's not it's not a good look. But you have Shaden Sharp, Kevin Knox on this team. Can I get mad at you for a second that the Blazers took Chris Murray right in front of the Kings? I'm curious about Murray. You know, I I follow the draft okay, but I was actually I was like, hey, who's Chris Murray? So um, <laughs> intriguing uh, guy at 23. Uh, hopefully pans out. He he should get some minutes at the small forward, power forward. We're really thin there. So he's great, man. He's the he's Keegan's twin, and I wanted to pair the brothers up, and I was super excited about that. And it's like it's Keegan Murray, but he's left-handed, and it's like this this evil twin thing. And then right before fucking Blazers, man, unbelievable! I waited like an hour and a half into that draft just for you guys to take him, and then and then we traded our pick. Right on. Well, hopefully it pans out for us. Yeah, we'll see. We'll see. Hey, heading into next season, Denver wins the title. Do you think they're immediate favorites next year as well? It's hard not to consider them the favorites, but I don't think they're runaway favorites. I think there's probably six, seven real contenders coming into the year, uh, with four of them being on Denver's level. Which of the four? You know, I'd I'd have to go with uh, Boston and Milwaukee, uh, having equal claim of being a real contender for the title this year. And then I'm a little torn on Phoenix. Kevin Durant is still really damn good. Having not seen them play, I guess maybe there's just the three teams on Denver's lo- on that same level with with Phoenix talent wise. Why not? How are you feeling about Phoenix? I don't like Phoenix very much. I'm yeah I'm digging this grave. I'm gonna lay down in it, and we'll see what happens. I really haven't been into it. I hated the build trade when it happened. Didn't like they got rid of campaign. I feel like people see the top heavy stuff and like this is great until you actually are watching Bull Bull play in the playoffs. Like, until it's Eric Gordon is your fourth best player, or DeAndre Aiden has thrown a fit or something, um, until, like, it's actually on the court, and you're like, oh, my God, like, our depth is really bad. Because all the things you do to win a championship, defend the rim, play make uh, with point guards, all that kind of stuff, Booker, Beal, and Durant have to do that. 
because Durant's going to have to be playing defense around the rim and Beal's their point guard all of a sudden. And I just, I think it's too experimental with not enough depth in the league. The league is too good. You're a wise fella. I'm glad I listened to you. You, I'm already convinced. They're, never mind. The Phoenix is not on there. Let's go. Thank you. <laughs> I won't. I won't rule the talent aspect of Phoenix out, but they're not on that. They're off that tier. Get out. Get out of here, Phoenix. You got to prove it first. All right. I'm with that. Hey, I appreciate it. I appreciate it. Um, I think the Bucks are kind of scary. It's almost like you try to spot the momentum, see where it's coming. And with Milwaukee, stock is at an all-time low. Giannis has had this long offseason, a new coach, and the passion and fire they may come back with. Like I think it's just, well, the roster is getting old, and maybe I don't love it. There's part of that, like the ethos of what may happen that I'm into. Yeah, and as old as their roster is, their superstar is in his prime. Like it, it's not like we're talking about old LeBron uh, right now. It's it's. The, I, I I actually still think Giannis is the best player on planet Earth. Uh, I certainly recognize where Jokic is and what he just accomplished. And I'm not going to push back on anybody saying it's Jokic right now. But in my book, I've had Giannis as the best player for the past few years. And I saw nothing this past season that would change my mind other than Jokic is the guy holding up the trophy at the end of the year. Yeah. We did our top 50 players heading into next season, and we'll expand that with me and Nate and Dylan. We do like a collaborative list on these podcasts, but we had Jokic at one and Giannis at two. And I could easily see it being flipped at the end of the season. Giannis is just such an insane player because you look last year and you're like, he's like 30 points and 12 boards and five assists, and he's the best defensive player on his team and one of the best defensive players in the world. And while Jokic has this passing aspect and they clearly built the title contender, obviously, but man, Giannis is just insane to watch. You know what I like about those conversations and so many great debates about the NBA, but it's like because of the differences, there's not a wrong answer. If you want to lean on the passing ability and the offensive uh, ability and shooting range of Jokic in a conversation like that and his impact on the offense, go for it. And you want to talk about the fact that Giannis anchors both sides of the court, sets the tone, is unstoppable in, in getting into the lane. Oh, and by the way, is pretty dang good at passing and playmaking himself. Like, there's there's such different players. You can go either way with it. Like, and you're not insane. Totally. We're in a really interesting era in terms of parody. I think that the Warriors era, the KD Warriors era, just crushed our thinking of what it takes to win basketball games where you're looking for a star and a second star and a third star. But if you look at the last few titles, it's it's two stars or it's one star. And I think we're back to normalcy. And really with the, the new CBA, it's a whole different era in terms of contracts. And you're not going to be able to go way over the limit and afford all this kind of stuff. Yeah, you're seeing something like Paul George and Kawhi Leonard not really pan out uh, mm-hmm. in LA, at least not for the moves they made and the money they pay. And continuity... Uh, for a team, always underappreciated, undervalued. I mean, this goes all the way back to the 2011 Heat. You know, that was their first season together. Look what happened. But we all know who and what they are. Um, so uh, team, the Milwaukee Bucks was a great team championship. Yo- uh, Jokic and the Nuggets been together uh, a long time. You know, it's Maybe, maybe the exception being the Lakers with Anthony Davis joining and then that being the case. But, you know, I team continuity wins. And what do we have? We had five or six different championships every last year. 
I forget, but I do remember seeing something where this run of new champions is the same as the previous longest run in like the seventies when it was uh, the ABA merger and all what all that, and it was a new team every year. It would be yeah, Denver, Golden State, Milwaukee, Lakers, Raptors, Warriors. So six. Well, Warriors was. I in guess there. the Warriors right. repeated. Nah, the Warriors ruin everything. They really do. But <laughs> ruin everything. Uh, and wouldn't be that crazy to see a different team uh, win it this year. Could be the Celtics. You know, like. Do you have a, a deep sleeper pick? I don't know. I'm not seeing any. I don't think the Atlanta Hawks are going to surprise anybody this year. No, I don't see it. I think the 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 only team really with great talent and a nice young player that it could hinge on is the Cavs with Mitchell and Mobley. And if Mobley takes this awesome leap in last year was, was about as good as the year prior. It wasn't the development people expected, but if there is a jump, I can see that leap. But that's kind of the only, the only great team with a, with a nice young player. Oh, I'm glad you mentioned Like I'm very high on the Cavs. I, the Cavs, I'm glad I get to put this on the record somewhere because the Cavs is the exact reason why the play in tournament is ridiculous and bad for the NBA. Whoa, I like the play-in. What's wrong with the play-in? Why, why are we playing 82 games if we got to play more to figure it out at the end? It's a. I think the one-and-done concept is really dangerous for injuries. I'm glad we haven't seen that play out. Um, but I'm like, I'm for real. If you play 82 games and you aren't one of, this, one, uh, one of the half-best teams, 16 out of the 30 teams make the playoffs. If you aren't on the, one of the half-best teams... After 82 games, guess what? Enjoy your long summer. We'll see you next year. Like It's interesting. I, my here, I'll give you my spiel. I'll give you my play-in talk. I think it's good because the good teams fear it. If teams are good enough to be the three seed or the four seed, you're still probably not that far away from the seven seed. And that's what's scary. It's the, it's the, it's the anti-coasting rule. And also... It's the anti-tanking rule in a sense where teams that are the 11 seed are like, this is dumb. I'm not doing this. And I'm going to trade my players away and try to tank when maybe now you would push for the play-in and the good teams at the top are pushing to not fall out of the playoffs. I think it encourages teams to be good from two different points where I feel like previous years, teams kind of gave up or just coasted or it's like, who gives a shit? Cavs are going to win 45 games or 52 games and then they're going to make the playoffs and it's whatever. Like previously those LeBron teams would have to like dial in. I wish I could have seen that. I will push back with only the sen- the quick sense of that incentive was already there for the top four teams called home court advantage. So they, they didn't want to fall out of the, the, they had incentive enough and you get each round first. If you get that one seed, like I do not remember ever of one seed being like, yes, we'll just coast to sixth place now. Yeah. But maybe the four seed would, or like just the teams that like the Clippers, I want the Clippers to try. I want that. Like as a Kings fan, the Warriors and the Lakers and the Clippers, they're all good enough to just waltz into a six seed. I want them to try harder. <laughs> well, I want a, I want a good competitive product out there too. I I don't feel like the play-in is, is doing that. And let me slam dunk this home with why I was originally glad to get this on record and the cat. Let me justify why the Cavs are the prime example of why the play-in is bad. Two seasons ago, I forget how many games they won exactly, but I believe it was 43, something like that. They were rightfully the seven seed. They earned that after 82 games. They were the seventh seed. Well, guess what? This young Cavs core, pre-Donovan Mitchell, we're talking 
Ricky Mobley, Garland, Jared Allen, that young core lost in the plan, one and done, out. Guess what that cost that young core? Playoff experience. They played 82 games, a young team that overachieved. They got the seven seed. And then they, I, I wish I could remember who they played off the top of my head, but it was like an experienced team that was ready for that one time game. So this young core loses the chance to play in the playoffs. Valuable experience. First time in the playoffs isn't like anything else in the league. Well, this season, they played the Knicks. Guess what the Knicks did a couple years ago? Blew it to the Hawks. A young Knicks team that wasn't experienced, got some playoff experience under their belt. They get matched up against the Cavs, and the Cavs weren't ready for it. First time in the playoffs for most of those guys. Donovan Mitchell being the exception. You know, it is a good point. I like the the 82 games. Like, we play that for a reason. And just a total side tangent. Get Like, expanding the wild card in baseball, I like that just off the topic of, holy shit, the season's so long. Like, why is this a one-game a one game um, decision to make in terms of who makes and who doesn't. Looking at the 2022 Cavs, they lost to Brooklyn by seven in the play-in and then by six to the Hawks in the play-in. Um, totally get it. I get it. And maybe maybe there's something to be said. I think it's done us good so far. But let me ask you about the in-season tournament. Do you like it? I don't, I don't know if I'll have a good sum for you. <laughs> I don't know either. I think everyone I've asked, no one no one knows. No one understands it. I don't get it either. Like I think I, I'm not going to push back on it because I think what makes things special is time. Things like tradition and the finals MVP and defensive player of the year, like these things were introduced and now we think they're awesome because they're done every year. And maybe five years from now, the in-season tournament is really important and people care. But I honestly don't even really get it. I, I kind of get it. It's interesting with the groupings and stuff, but I just, I, I'm happy that the NBA experiments and does new things and isn't this dinosaur of a sport. You know, I can appreciate, that's a great mindset to have. I can appreciate that. I'm with, I'm with you. I don't know. I don't know about this in-season tournament and the part that I don't get about it, forget the formatting. I can get on board with that, whatever. It's how they decided to play the games. It's, it's the reason why. Like, what is it? Like, is it, do they make more money from gambling? Do they make more money on TV sponsorships? I don't know how that would boost ratings. I'm just like, what is, I don't, I don't see what it is. I, I'm, I'm missing something. We'll have to see. And it only matters if the Kings win it. If the Kings still win it, it's stupid. And why would we ever try that? Stupid. Stupid if the Blazers don't win it. <laughs> there you go. Uh, Everything is dumb unless my team wins, unless it's very important. It's like a summer league championship. It's exciting when it's your team. This is great. The Kings won summer league titles all the time. And we saw we saw Keegan Murray in this year's summer league. Like he averaged like forty points per game. It was great. I'm what like, was he doing out there? You guys are trying to trying to get hurt. I, I liked it because he kind of got to try his own thing, do his own stuff, and take guys off the dribble and whatnot. But he was playing like forty minutes a game in the playoffs or in certain in certain games. Like he was he was way above those guys, and it, it was cool to see because I've watched a lot of Kings players, Nick Stauskas, Jimmer, Ben Macklemore go out in the summer league and they aren't good. And you know, like them, even Marvin Bagley wasn't good. And you're like, oh my God, like it hurts to know in summer league that your team whiffed to pick. Yep. Yep. It says summer league as a, a fool's gold. Don't fall for it. I fall for it every year. I was out there defending Mobinyama and whatnot, but that's all we got for today. I want to have you back when a Dame trade happens when something exciting happens with the Blazers. I'd love to see you again. But basketball for brains, where can the people find you? 
I'm on TikTok, and uh, that's that's my main spot, at Basketball for Brains. Sounds great. Thanks for being here. Thanks for having me.